0: So, Robin, welcome to the Yellow Chair Collective podcast. What I know about you, because we actually know each other outside of this podcast, is that you're an LMFT. You have your own private practice. You have Open Mind Night as a podcast that you run. Um, But more importantly, you've been doing this for a long time. So why don't you give people that don't know you a rundown of who you are and why you choose to do this type of work?
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. My name is Robin Tamanaha. I'm a therapist in Orange County, uh, California, licensed marriage and family therapist and uh, Japanese American, uh, also identifies bisexual as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got into this work uh, just by chance. It wasn't actually planned at all. Um, I was an administrative assistant for a therapist in private practice and that opened my eyes up to the world of mental health and therapy that uh, wasn't ever a part of my life and I didn't know about. Um, I was actually on a track to do something else. And so that sparked my curiosity, and I ended up majoring in psychology, changing my major to it, uh, so that I could do what my boss at the time was doing, which was having her own private practice, being her own boss, and, um, and helping people. And so it's been almost 10 years now that I've been a therapist and I love it. So I have a good time and I really, really enjoy, um, you know, the work that I do, the people that I work with API and others, you know, as well. Um, yeah.
0: Mm. So the reason why I wanted to have you come on to the show was because as the Yellow Chair Collective, we get so many questions about the basics of therapy. At the time of this recording, it's January 17th. We recently launched a Therapy Basics 101, like reel on Instagram. And it's gotten so much engagement because I think a lot of people just want the basic rundown of therapy education. And so why don't you give us an overview of who therapy is for and who it benefits.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Therapy could really benefit anybody, and even during different parts of their life. I think some people think, well, maybe I need to be really, really facing something like monumental. There has to be this big, big thing, and that warrants therapy. Or maybe I need like a diagnosis or something. But therapy could actually help for even for transitions or stressors. I have a lot of people that have like work stress or balancing academic stress and like personal life. So I always tell people it's, if you're experiencing a challenge that's impacting, like how you feel about yourself, how you're going about your day, and it's making it difficult to get through a certain part of your life, then therapy may help.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about therapy might help for those transitions. How do you how do you get to that place where you realize that you need therapy versus just going through the motions of the transition?
1: Mm-hmm. I tell people, if it's coming up for you, your body and your mind is sending you an alert that this is something to pay attention to. Usually what happens is people call me when they can't take it anymore. They've kind of waited a really long time to kind of bear through it, kind of just push it aside. Let's see if I, you know, this will go away or I'm going to distract myself and all that. But, um, I always say when you notice it starting to affect your mood, affect your day, how you are with people or at work or school, then that'd be the time to maybe consider on, you know, is this something I could, I could explore now? Because when it gets to the point where it's like way further along, there's a lot more to kind of delve into and work to do. It's doable. But there's just a lot that has been accumulated, so I always tell people like it's kind of like a check engine light, you know. Mm. If it's coming up for you, just kind of check in with yourself and see, you know, see how you're feeling and and if this is something you'd be open to exploring. Really.
0: Mm. And so, for people that are hearing this, like the person that may be considering therapy that sees that this is like a therapy basics episode, and like the first question that comes up to me for me, if I've never known how to check my nervous system is how do I know that it's gotten too bad? What are some of the symptoms that you see with the clients that call you and wait until it's too much? What are some of those things? How do you know that they've waited too long?
1: Yeah, it's, it depends on what the challenge is, right? So if it's something like, you know, let's say like work stress, you know, is it like they're becoming more easily agitated. There's this kind of like cloud or kind of pessimism maybe, or not the greatest Mm. outlook at themselves or their job, or maybe they're having a hard time turning off their work brain, you know, so it's affecting their personal life. Um, Other things, let's say like depression, anxiety, it's also physical. So they may notice like their energy or their, their restlessness, um, as API too, sometimes we feel things in our body, like we call it somatic. And sometimes that's mm. like the first sign too. So Can you unpack that, what that means? What somatic mm-hmm. means for people who don't know? Yeah. So somatic is within the body. Like maybe somebody will experience tension or they're noticing like stomach pain or headaches, or maybe even to the point of difficulty focusing or concentrating. So there's some sort of physical sensation in your body um, which is usually because there's been an accumulation of stress or some sort of um, symptom. And it's kind of manifesting physically. And I see this a lot, especially with people who may not be um, super checked into their thoughts and what they're doing. It's kind of they're just noticing something physically and that they feel off or they feel more tired.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because we don't learn those things in school how stress can physically take a toll on our bodies especially as AAPI Asian American Pacific Islanders people with a multicultural background the next question i want to ask you going alongside that is when you choose to get therapy you get a diagnosis and so there's a lot of stigma around getting diagnoses and so why are diagnoses necessary for mental health treatment
1: yeah it it can have its benefits i mean for maybe parents loved ones and the other person themselves like it can help provide answers to maybe questions that they've been wondering about for some time or maybe it'll help them uh, experience some sort of relief because now they have a name to their experience and know like a path to treating it i actually get people who want to know a diagnosis because they're wanting some clarity on like what they're Mm. experiencing what's happening um from a clinical perspective too it does help when we think of treatment plans, you know, or the prognosis um, of a particular diagnosis. So in that sense, it there's, it's stigmatizing. And, and I will say, too, like for the individual, especially if it's a diagnosis that is highly stigmatized within society, there is a lot to go with it. Like the person may, there's like self-stigma, or they may feel like a damaged person or in some way defective. Right. Cause now there's this new, like, oh my gosh, like this is a huge label. That's usually the first mm-hmm. part. Um, and then through working through that, it's like, okay, this is a part of me. It's not all of me. And now, because I know, and I have a name to what I'm experiencing, I can identify the symptoms when they're coming up. I can identify my triggers. Maybe I can think about and explore how with the therapist, how I'm going to manage all this so that it doesn't affect my life as much or doesn't hold me back from living the life that I want so it is super stigmatized you know and feel stigmatizing but it can also provide a wealth of information for a lot of people including the person themselves
0: yeah yeah I, mm-hmm. I love how you put it it's not who you are it's what's happening it's a prognosis to how it's affecting your personality how it's affecting your overall being as an individual and I I love how you put that, that sometimes giving it a name allows you to understand what it is. Because for a lot of people, we don't understand that mental health isn't isn't it doesn't make you crazy. It's a chemical imbalance that needs needs a diagnosis, it needs treatment, it needs consistency in going to a mental health provider. And so why why is it so hard for the AAPI community to seek out therapy? If they know that something's wrong, if they see that there's something that's affecting their nervous system, affecting their personality in a real level, why is it so hard as a community to seek treatment?
1: I mean, there's multiple reasons. Like some that come to mind is maybe not being used to talking about struggles or problems um, Mm. while also maybe even being a little scared and nervous of the unknown, which is therapy, the unknown, you know? So, Oftentimes it could be like, well, I don't know if what I'm experiencing is enough. Does this warrant therapy? Um, Maybe they grew up within a household family culture where emotions are just not talked about. So this is unknown territory. Um, Mm. Maybe there's messages directly or indirectly um, that you don't air out dirty laundry, right? Um, Maybe pressure or self-pressure of not showing any signs of weakness. um, Or if I do bring it up does this is will i be a burden you know to others not wanting to seem ungrateful maybe like the the list um mm-hmm. the list goes on you know so it can definitely be difficult to do so but knowing like i said you know is super informative and i always tell people if you're feeling it it matters and it is okay to talk about what you're experiencing, especially with somebody who's trained and a professional to do so, because um, you very much deserve that. Like your mind's giving you, your mind and your body is giving you an alert that maybe this is something to work through. And what we know even with general talk therapy is it it is helpful. There is a lot in just talking about things openly. And that also, you know, kind of going with to what you said, be- asked before about like, how do I know, you know, if therapy, you know, so sometimes when they're in therapy, it's like, okay, now we're practicing How to do the check-ins with yourself, you know, so that when these things come up or you're with family members or you're at work, um, you're prepared going into it. So now you are better prepared for the situations that you're going to be experiencing in the future.
0: Hmm. Mm -hmm. I can tell you've been doing this for over a decade because the way that you talk about it is similar to a news anchor. This just in like weather coming (laughs) at nine o'clock. It's just very dialed in very quick, but I I appreciate that a lot about you because you're able to dial things down into such a basic level that even me as a therapist, when I ask you these questions, I want to know the answer because you can simplify them in such a quick witted way. And what I love about what you said is that talk therapy studies have shown that it does actually prevent long-term physical illness. And I just did a therapy basics episode. And one of the most surprising things I found about doing this research is for over 50 years, people have found that therapy reduces the risk of hospitalization, saves the economy a ton of money and insurance bills because you decided to come early. And so- like just from your own experience of for over 10 years, you've been doing this. What is the benefit of talking to an individual? How does that benefit your body? How does that benefit your relationships? What are the strengths of being able to go to someone and just talking to them about this?
1: What does that do? I feel like in today's world, you know, at least here in the States, um, there's a lot of productivity, There's a lot of achieving. There's a lot of, I'm going to do this. I I work with those that also more people pleasers, you know, as well. So this is one day a week that you have for yourself that you deserve, that'll get you to also live the life, you know, that you would like. It's like, I, being that I work with, you know, more perfectionist, anxious, high achievers, people pleasers, (laughs) such, such great people that are so giving. However, sometimes what happens along the way is they kind of neglect themselves. So it's like, here's something that you can also do for you to help you because you are just as deserving as those other people that, that you're helping out and, and thinking of. You're a priority um, as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so good. You're a priority. This is the one day a week where you get to... Focus on yourself because in a society that's so driven by productivity, we can lose sight of ourselves and how we need to take care of ourselves.
1: Yeah. And through it, you know, there's a lot of processing in therapy and then depending on the therapist and their orientation, maybe some strategies, you know, and this can carry through for the rest of your life. Right. I think for for me, Mm. at least the way I work is I don't want somebody to see me every week forever My goal when I work with clients is actually for them to be able to terminate. And then if they need to come back in the future, come back, you know, so this will carry you through. And I think when I look at clients and I, and I measure and I look at like progress and I talk with them about this and I, 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 I engage them in a discussion about, you know, how's their life now, like three, six, nine months later. And what I notice is that growth in that, like, what we're talking about in session, these situations, these symptoms, whatever it may be, they're kind of, they've kind of managed that. And now it's like, oh, I'm taking that strategy or I'm taking that mindset or whatever it is and I'm applying it now to other areas of my life. So there is also Mm -hmm. that expansion is people don't all often know until they come in that it will actually help the rest of your life to other things that you may not be dealing with right now, or things that you may not actually be directly coming into therapy for, it can actually help those things.
0: Mm. Mm. So one of the things that you just talked about is mindset, that our mindset really does affect us long-term. And so for someone who might be considering working with you, for example, they're living in Orange County or someone in the Bay Area who's listening to this and saying, oh, this can help me long-term, what can they do? from now to the process of seeking a therapist? How do you know that a therapist is a good fit for you? Yeah,
1: I think one is the benefit is, at least a lot of us in private practice have websites. So I always tell people to just like explore, just do like a general search, what's your challenges therapist in or near me, whatever the search is, and just look at the websites. Cause you can kind of get a feel for somebody just based off of that. I know for me, I have a ton of videos and blogs. I mean, you really get to know me uh, to see if like, okay, is this some somebody I may be open to talking to, you know, there's the consultation. That's like the next step. So once you identify, okay, maybe, cause I always tell people to explore a few, like talk to a few therapists and see which ones are a good fit. And on the phone call, you know, ask, ask the questions, like, I'm struggling with this. How do you help that? You know, mm. what, what would, how would you treat this? You know, or I'm struggling with this. Like, what's your experience with that? You know, so you're kind of interviewing the therapist in a way to see if it is a good match. So I always say, one, are you comfortable talking to them? Like, how do you feel from that phone call? And two, do they have experience with what it is you're struggling with? So that will help. And others may come more during the therapy process, you know, Mm -hmm. as well. But at least initially, that's what I always recommend to people.
0: Yeah. Getting a sense of who they are based on their website, the vlogs that they post, the videos, everything that they write, see if you're a good fit. And then another thing that you mentioned, too, is it's important for you to interview the therapist. You can't just pick a random person and just work with them because they might not understand your cultural background and how gender dynamics in your culture plays a role, for example. And I think that that is really important. I want to be respectful of your time and I want to ask you one more question before we go. But as a therapist what I've noticed about you is that you know your body really well. You only work a couple days a week. You read I we've done a couple interviews and we've done things together. You you just leaned over to show me your color-coded bookshelf. Um And one of the things that I admire about you, Robin, is you take the time to ask yourself, hmm, what can I do to make sure that I understand the client's perspective and that I'm fully showing up for them? And so for people that are still getting to know you, how can you begin to know what you need for yourself and your body? Like, what was the work from point A to point B, from starting therapist to end therapist? How do you Mm -hmm. care for yourself as an individual?
1: I do a lot of check-ins with myself, just how I feel with somebody, how I feel that day. Um, How I feel at the end of the week was a huge one. I noticed there were times where I was making attempts to really try to make something work, like Thursdays, for example. Um, (laughs) It just wasn't working out. Thursdays are your day, huh? I, w- I was tired I, when I was making appointments. For some reason, it was always on a Thursday. So I'm like, "Well, this isn't working out. I'm not going to try to like, you know." So I now have like, mm. I actually have three day weekends. I actually only work Sunday that. through Wednesday now. Um, so wow. that's you know helped me as far as knowing what I want for myself. And I think you know having an advantage in being in private practice is work life balance. Everything I do is self imposed. You know, honestly, mm. I get to create my own schedule. I, I'm my own boss. I get to decide. I, can, I get to create my, you know, my own wheel, in a sense, with what works for me and how I want to go about things. I can still help people, you know, and I can mm-hmm. do it in a way that, that works for me and a schedule that works for me. Because at least now, especially at this current point in time, like, I'm working. Love it. But I'm also really, really prioritizing my personal life even more. Um, so I'm making mm. sure to you know stay focused on that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answered the question.
0: That answers it. My follow up is like, what? How do you, what do you do to check in with yourself? What questions do you ask yourself when you're doing that check in?
1: It's it's weird for me. It's not even like a question. Like sometimes it's just sitting there. I'm somebody who first experiences things somatically. That's what I've noticed. Okay. About me. I'll notice things in my body and the stress before I like, it comes to mind that that's what I'm experiencing in my head, you know? So for Mm. me, it's like, how do I feel at the end of the day or in the morning sometimes? Um, and then when it comes to, you know, questions I'm asking myself, it's usually more specific. Like how did I feel about this schedule today? How do I feel with what I'm doing? Um, with this new year, what I did recently, at least earlier this month was, thinking about where I'm going to be putting my energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not so much a New Year's resolution, but kind of like kind of revamping things. Like, is, am I going to focus a lot on this particular thing, you know, or am I going to maybe taper back a little so I can focus on other things? You know, I, I think I'm, I've been practicing over the past, especially during the pandemic, being more and more flexible with myself, the expectations I have for myself too, just because yeah. of self-care Self-care is important. I experienced, I know before we started this, I mentioned, like, I experienced chronic pain. I got a back injury from a car accident back in 2018. And, you know, stress causes inflammation and the pain to flare up. So does not taking care of my body. So I also have this medical thing that if I don't pay attention to myself, like today a little bit, I experience a flare-up. So it's like, oh, there's the consequence, (laughs) you know? So it's just trying to be on top of myself, you know, with what I'm doing, where I'm at with things and giving myself grace. If things don't work out, you know, maybe what I had thought it would, you know, but doing the Mm. three day weekend has been, has been great. That has been lovely. I will say.
0: I'm so thankful that you said that because I also can experience chronic back pain when I'm too stressed out. And I think that when you talk about somatic pain, a lot of people don't realize that your mind and body are hyper connected and your brain is connected to your spine. And so whenever you do experience chronic stress, I notice that I don't experience stress right away. It usually starts to manifest in my back. So, Mm -hmm. man, I learned a lot from you, Robin. (laughs) I'm learning a lot from you. But I also want to be respectful of your time because we're, we're almost done. But if you were to give an individual who's just starting out in their mental health journey, three pieces of advice, knowing what you know now as an experienced therapist, what three pieces of advice would you want to give them?
1: Mm. Um, one, you don't have to do it all. Okay. Everyone. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to delegate right? Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to wait till it's too late to reach out for help. And um, the other is being that, you know, I work with a lot of API, um, you can do something different, right? Sometimes it's kind of breaking and releasing yourself from the patterns maybe that you had experienced. So going to therapy, checking in with yourself, talking about emotions, um, it can be nerve wracking and, you know, scary and, and new, you know, but it's something that you're giving to yourself. And if you're in a relationship or you have kids or you want kids, that is something that will also help the future, your future in that relationship. Maybe it'll be change, you know, for kids, maybe giving them, you know, a different experience than, um, you know, what you, what you had. Right. Mm. Um, so I would say those three things.
0: Thanks for your time, Robin. Really appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thank you.